welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. My name is Alan Nakagawa, and I'll be your host. On October 3rd, 2017, Visitings Radio Show held its first public event. Visitings, a virtual studio visit and marathon conversation, was presented as part of Beach Culture at the Annenberg Community Beach House, a program of the city of Santa Monica. We are grateful to Naomi Okuyama, cultural affairs supervisor who facilitated our event. One of our guest artists that evening was Amidis Motavali, who is an amazing multidisciplinary artist and also the director of the William Grant Stills Art Center in Los Angeles. Amidis's website can be viewed at amidismotavali.com that's A-M-I-T-I-S-M-O-T-E-V-A-L-L-I.com. You could also find information on the Art Center at wgsac.wordpress.com. That's W-G-S-A-C WordPress. Whoops. W-G-S-A-C.wordpress.com. Well, if you could please state your full name and your title. Amitis Motavalli. Um, title? Like, uh, I guess I'm, I'm a Sayed. That's what we say in Iran. It's, it's supposed to be lineage of the prophet, but uh, I don't know of any other titles I, I would have. That's, okay. Oh. Uh, That's good. That I'm an artist? Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. That too. That too. I'm, yeah, I'm an artist. I, mm-hmm. I, um, I create uh, art programs and, um, and I also work quite a bit in, in, um, in, in uh, trying to have just situations in life and, and um, you know, some equity for people. You've just come back from an amazing trip. Yeah. That you were talking. Can can we talk a little bit about that? Cause oh, I would love to. That is something that I don't think a lot of people know about. Oh, yeah. Do you think a lot of people know about that? About Palenque being the first autonomous city in uh, in the Americas post-colonization, uh, you know, uh, post-Columbus. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, I guess I learned about it at a very young age. I, I uh, have a friend who I consider a mentor, Ron Wilkins, and um, he had told me about Palenque years ago, many years ago, and um, I'd always wanted to go. And he, he took photographs there and um, told me, you know, just about the, the way that people were living autonomously, um, that people had um, freed themselves out of slavery. Um, went on to be uh, revolutionary for many, many years, um, going to actually um, invade plantations and invade situations where there were slaves and freeing other slaves, other enslaved people, and creating their own community, constantly having to fight off, um, fight off invaders, the Spaniards who would try and invade, and the stories that were very proud from that city about the ways that they were able to, uh, to defeat the Spaniards from taking over their city. So um, really amazing. Continue to be somewhat autonomous because the state pretty much ignores them. 
Um, so they don't get services. There's no hospital there. So there aren't, um, you know, natural and traditional doctors. Um, when people need to go to a hospital, they have to drive all the way to Cartagena, which is um, about an hour and a half away. And... Um, and just uh, basically people, people are, are poor, but sustaining themselves, growing their own food and, and feeding themselves and, and healing themselves and teaching each other and teaching each other in such an extraordinary way, too. Um, music is super important. Each year there's a drum festival. And um, art is super important. There are murals on so many buildings all over. Uh, famous actors have come out of that community. Um, who were still dedicated to the, to the community, uh, famous boxer, um, uh, lots and lots of music and lots of drum come out of that community. So, uh, just really inspiring for me because you know I, I grew up always thinking about revolutionary change and the way that people uh, could actually live a life that was autonomous. Um, I remember as a child, you know, my father telling me, I, I was going to school in, in, in America and they were telling us about the amazing things about the Peace Corps and my father was like, no, do not believe it, the Peace Corps is evil. And I'm like, why? They tell me they're so good, they're helping people. They're like, no, what, what they do is they create dependence on an infrastructure that is not sustainable for people. And, um, and when they're dependent like that, they're not able to sustain themselves. I mean, that, that if once, once that, that um, once that service, that way of living that's been introduced to them by outside people um, is cut off, then you know those communities could die off. So uh, Palenque is one that, um, that didn't get that type of service really and still doesn't really want it. They're like, yeah, there's stuff. We could bring stuff here. We could, you know, we could access certain things. We could live without it too. So it was very inspiring. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> did you know somebody there already? How did you? No, I met somebody there. I, I met people. <laughs> so you just showed up. Well, no, I, I, I paid some folks to drive me out there because um, okay. I didn't know how to get there. But they got scared and they just kind of locked themselves up in the car and kept the air conditioner on the whole time um, and wouldn't talk to anyone. Uh, and so uh, basically I was like, just can you wait for me? Uh, you, you can come out if you want. And, um, they wouldn't come out. But yeah, I, I met this man, Victor, who was really extraordinary. He introduced me to different people. I went and um, talked to some musicians. I talked to, I talked to children. I talked to adults. I talked to women. I talked to doctors. Um, yeah, it was just cool. Just walk through and, you know, uh, you know, people were excited that I knew about the, the city and that I, I had a lot of respect for the city. So, um, and, uh, you know, Victor, who was an extra, extraordinary man who spoke uh, five languages. Uh, the language there is the lengua Bantu, which is a combination of, um, of uh, Bantu uh, and um, basically languages from the um, Congo and Angola and um, and also Portuguese and Spanish. And then he also speaks uh, English, Spanish, and French. Really, really amazing and super knowledgeable and really proud of the revolutionary history there. Um, and the fact that because of Pelenqueros, the Colombia was able to become independent from, from Spain as well. So 
huge contribution. They're they're very um, very aware and very interested in making sure that the contribution of African people who were who were kidnapped and enslaved in the Americas are are recognized. <laughs> You told me that you you went to the sites that were used in your favorite film. One of my favorite one films. One of your films. Can you tell me about, yeah, tell about that? Yeah, one of my favorite films is Burn by uh, Gio Pontecorvo. And um, I remember the first time I saw that, that was gave me kind of a charge, almost like I got when I went to Palenque, because it was just this, this film where... Um, you saw the brutality of colonization and then and then uh, people able to kind of um, rise up against it. And that was very exciting. You know, Ponte Corvo also made Battle of Algiers, but I um, later, you know, of course, with with each Ponte Corvo film, I, I learned that, you know, the, his treatment of actors who are actually people kind of living in those situations is, is really poor. But um, but the film was extraordinary. And Marlon Brando was uh, amazing in it as well. So, um, you know, that film kind of changed my life when I was really young. And I've seen it, I, I don't know how many times. I mean, I, I think I could kind of, uh, you know, reenact it for you if you wanted to be too. <laughs> hmm. but, um, a future performance, perhaps? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, but it's, it, it, it's, become, it's become a performance. It's embedded in itself in my spirit and in my heart, so it has become a performance in the way that I, that I act out my day-to-day life. Was, was it unusual for them to see somebody from Los Angeles show up and, and you know, be so committed to, to their history? Yeah, they were, I mean, at first, but you know, people go. Yeah. Um, you know, there are tours to Palenque. Um, not many people go. And I knew that people go usually on Sundays um, because Palenque just doesn't really want a whole bunch of people pouring in on other days. So uh, there's only one road going in, and, you know, people need, need to just kind of conduct life and business. But Sunday's a chill day, so... Um, so yeah, there were I think like two or three other tourists that were there, um, just kind of walking around. But um, first they were like, you know, they were talking and they're like gringa, and then I'm like, well, kind of. I mean, yes, ultimately, yeah. But I'm Iranian, and so then my own history and you know everything that my country has been through. Um, yeah. uh, was kind of repeated back to me by people from Palenque, and that was really extraordinary, too. Wow. Yeah, so there was a connection that was really, really beautiful. And an understanding, uh, you know, it was, it was definitely, um, it, it was still a very revolutionary sense there and a heartbeat that, that was important to me. Did you tell them anything about your personal art work? Or? No, not at all. Perhaps no. when I go back, because yeah. I'm planning on going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That has so much potential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I learned so much, and it, and it fed my heart. And, you know, I'm interested in going to places where people are living autonomously and... 
you know, I uh, had the great fortune of doing residency in, in Detroit and walking around and seeing people growing their own food and and um, and then uh, kind of, you know, storing the ways of storing food so that it lasts throughout the winter and um, and uh, people creating, generating their own ways of, of uh, having electricity and, um, and uh, definitely knowing that, well, the government's going to ignore us. Um, and, uh, you know, we should find our own way of, of living and creating a, a, a life that, that is livable. Um, in Detroit, probably not as livable as it is in Palenque. Also, the weather is so harsh and, and there's so much intervention from, you know, from government and outside sources and especially right now. But, but um Anyway, it, I, I just I, I love seeing that. I love going to places where you're able to see that, you know, and, and um, have the uh, you know ability to see that in Mexico and Iran and different parts of the world. And it was very exciting, you know, communities of, of immigrants and refugee camps kind of creating their own their their own situation where they just have to take care of themselves. I especially like it when people then revolt and are able to empower themselves in a much bigger way too. Um, so yeah, that, that's inspiration. That's all food, and and I learn from it, and it, you know makes my heart beat. How do how do how does that relate to where the William Grant still? center is and the changes that are happening in that community here back in Los Angeles. Yeah. How can um, we learn from them? Yeah, it's a tough situation. You know, William Grant Still Art Center is an extraordinary community that, um, of course, there's been change throughout the years. Um, we've been kind of keeping up to date with um, the real estate people that are um, advertising, you know, there's a very targeted um, targeted focus of who uh, certain real estate agents that are really active in the neighborhood are trying to bring into the community. And, you know, it's always like discover. Um, I recently actually had a studio visit with some fantastic people and they were talking about, oh yeah, remember when so-and-so was the first to move into that neighborhood? I was like, when was this? I mean, pre-indigenous times, like, what? come on. So um, <laughs> there's been a lot of people living there for many, many years. And what, what was their reaction to your, um, your statement? They, they, well, I mean, they were quickly, they quickly recognized. Um, I think what they wanted to say was the kind of first art industry person that they knew of that had moved to oh. the neighborhood. Um, I think that's what they meant to say, and, and um, you know, they're, didn't Cecil Ferguson live in that neighborhood? Cecil Ferguson has lived in that neighborhood. Many artists actually have lived in yeah. that, and we can we can go back further than that. Um, uh, you know, William Grant Still's neighborhood um, it it is the place where national racial covenants were broken. That's that's where the lawsuit started. That's where it was founded. And interestingly, there are people in the community who've done research and they're like, actually, it's also been an LGBT community, black LGBT community for a very, very long time. And it was within that LGBT LGBT community that rose up and and founded the lawsuit that broke the covenants. So um, many contributions from 
the West Adams neighborhood to the nation, um, you know, not just in terms of civil rights, but also amazing actors and artists. And, um, and you know, Kehinde Wali is, is from the neighborhood. So, um, so many artists have come out of that that area and, and music, amazing music. So um, it was named after Dr. William Grant Still, you know, amazing composer, the man who coined the term art music. And, um, and you know, it continues to be really thriving. Um, I'm hoping, I was today talking, it was interesting because I was sharing my trip to with an elder in the neighborhood who is Oaxacan and um, and he was telling me, oh, Colombia, there's no indigenous people left there. You need to come come with us to Oaxaca. I mean, you know, that's been my dream. I really do want to go to Oaxaca. But you need to come with us to Oaxaca where there's still indigenous people, which is true. I mean, many of the indigenous people in, in Colombia were, were killed off. And um, he uh, is hopefully going to work with us to have a Zapoteco language class and um, Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, there's, there's amazing music happening. There's a huge Oaxacan community there. There's a Brazilian community there, Ethiopian, uh, African-American, um, Japanese. It's an extraordinary, diverse, and alive community that's not blighted, that um, has been incredible for years. And we really try and tap into all of that and bring it into William Grant still. In, uh, in terms of streets, we're talking about a part of Los Angeles that's uh, Adams. Yes. And is it Fairfax or La Brea? We're actually three blocks east of La Brea. We're just okay. north of Adams. So okay. we're on a street called Westview. Yeah, and I know that um, you know a lot of folks going to USC or or leaving downtown area going to Santa Monica take Adams as an alternate to the freeway. Um, I hope that they remember that there are families walking there, <laughs> but oh. but also that there's you know there's a lot of life, there's a lot of beauty that already exists there. I'd like to talk about the center. Sure. One of my favorite things about the center are the murals at the center. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about the murals at the center? Yeah. Like, can we start with Noni's? Oh, piece? yeah. Okay. Could, could you tell us about that piece? Sure. Um, it's called Trouble Island, and it's actually uh, named after an operetta written by Dr. William Grant Still and Langston Hughes. And um, basically, the mural depicts the story of Trouble Island, and Trouble Island was about Haiti, the history of Haiti. And so um, you see at the start of the, the mural, if you're going left to right, I, it uh, depicts uh, people enslaved in shackles. And then there's a giant thunderbolt and there's drum. And, um, and you know, you start to see a lot of war throughout, throughout the mural. There's a humongous portrait, a couple of big portraits of Dr. William Grant Still. And Noni always puts a dot in the middle, you know, the wisdom. And the dot of wisdom, the seeing, the third eye um, that she puts on, you know, people who she reveres in murals. And um, it's a, a yellow dot. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and basically, uh, it goes from war to a portrait of uh, Toussaint Louverture uh, looking on to the island. And, you know, really kind of. Um, what what the piece, what Dr. Still himself philosophically and what Noni's uh, kind of uh, saying is that, that, you know, it all started with the drum. Okay. All, all of that change and uh, being able to, you know, 
um, have have uh, being able to to um, communicate with one another and being able to have the revolution that happened in Haiti was was a result of of art. And that that's really exciting to me because that's what I feel like I live for. That's a very appropriate mural. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited when I saw (laughs) when I first walked up on the place. I was like, what? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Noni's amazing. Oh, Noni's incredible. But I, I really feel she doesn't get the the props that she she deserves. Yeah. You know, as a muralist, you know, because... She's starting to, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's coming to the point that even other muralists, uh, she's very humble. Yeah, she she doesn't humble. go out and, and boost herself, but yeah. even other muralists, they're in awe of her because she's so extraordinary and because her murals don't get hit up. People don't vandalize it. It actually got vandalized this 4th of July for the first time. Oh, and um, it had a protective coating on it, so so uh, it got washed off. And also, we're going to bring her back so that she touches it up, so it's just vibrant again. But but yeah, her. I mean, all those years, it hadn't gotten uh, hit up. There was a uh, you know she had painted in a vave of um, of a legua, so it, like a kind of um, a symbol, like a chalk symbol uh, that is part of the. Um, the religion, the spirituality of, of Haiti, um, Vodou. So she had um, she had uh, done a veve of Elegua, and just above it, really, really light and tiny, 18th Street kind of put in 18th Street. So it looked like it was part of the mural, <laughs> but you know, because they're they're tagging up the whole neighborhood. But they had so much respect for the mural that they just put a tiny little tag there. And she even looked at it. She's like, "Huh, it just blends right in. I don't even care." So. Um, <laughs> It got washed off, you know, okay. once once the mural got really vandalized and we washed it off, it did yeah, yeah. get washed off. But, um, yeah, it generally doesn't get hit up. People really respect her work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's always a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. In... I, in 2001, I, I, I started teaching at Locke High School. I was there for a couple of years, but in 2001, the situation got very intense. The Locke High School was extremely neglected and extraordinarily violent. I mean, in terms of state violence towards the, the children and the families there. And, um, and so we organized after a few events happened there and the cold and brutal way in which the the school district and the police in the neighborhood dealt with the families. And after seeing repeated, um, I'm I'm holding up, you know, air quotes, uh, random searches that were targeting, that were targeting children and targeting to the point that their classes were constantly disrupted and seeing children begin a criminal record while they were in school. So getting constantly targeted and, and criminalized in the school. Also um, having 30% of the classes not filled with teachers, not even a day-to-day sub sometimes. So nobody, nobody would show up. For a whole year, they'd have a biology class and nobody would show up, but uh, they would get some arbitrary grade, a C, a D, an F. You never knew. I mean, it was just random. And um, seeing these really unfair conditions, kids roaming the halls because they didn't have classrooms to go to. And um, just complete chaos and, and a complete breach of the civil rights of, of, um, of the students there. Uh, we organized. We organized with families. And uh, as a result of our organizing, 
I was I was targeted. I was targeted for random search for searches which I knew were not random and I would not allow. And at one point, I was pulled out of the classroom. When I was pulled out of the classroom, it's interesting because there's also a famous musician right now, Thundercat. He was one of my students in the Lock Student Union, what? and I, he was apparently he 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 recounted it for what? me because I didn't know what happened when they pulled me out of the class. Apparently, can I cuss? Oh, I could beep it. Okay. Uh, so when when they pulled me out of the class, uh, all uh, all the students were like. They all ran out of the class. So um, uh, he was kind of recounting everything for me, you know, later and telling me what happened. But, um, but uh, yeah, as a result of that, I, I got five pink slips. And one of the pink slips was actually for drinking coffee in the hallway. Yeah. So, um, so you know, uh, I didn't know at the time. Also, uh, it was partially because the ACLU, without my knowledge, had fired off a letter to the school district saying that I was being targeted. Then um, the school district hired outside counsel, actually, who was here in, in, in Santa Monica. I actually had to sit in depositions for two months straight looking out into the ocean here in Santa Monica. Beautiful view, but very stressful. Um, and uh, basically, I couldn't get work as a result of that. So I um, went on with some friends and we founded our own school. So I didn't believe in charter schools, but at that point I just wanted to teach and I just wanted to, uh, to work. I wanted to support myself and do some of the things that I love. And so we started uh, what was considered the first uh, uh, charter for um, a social justice charter in oh. Los Angeles. Where is that located? Well, it was located in the MacArthur Park neighborhood, <laughs> actually. Oh. Um, it was uh, LA Leadership Academy. And, um, and, you know, I got to do integrated curriculum where we, where we put, um, you know, art into all of the core curriculum. We, there were certain people there. It, you know, I learned also what different people's perception of social justice is at that point. Yeah. It's not always the same. But there were certain people there who were really like-minded and really extraordinary. So I was able to do, like, these incredible political poster projects and performance projects. And it was really, really fun, really great. We started as a middle school, and it has now grown on to to you know being um, from pre-k to to high school and a college prep so you know kids graduated went to college and all of that i did not know that yeah yeah. okay yeah huh that's why i don't know if you've seen the exhibition that we have up yeah you did see it a woman's place Yeah, yeah um it was so important to me the notion of pedagogy and in particular uh untraditional pedagogy Uh. yeah Full circle. Yeah. Huh. Um, and all this feeds into your work? Somehow? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Could we pick a piece and talk about it? Sure. You, why don't you pick the piece? Do you want to pick a piece okay. or do you want me to? There's this one, I don't know the name of it, though, but it's... Just a, describe it on, though. Okay, it's a piece where there's a window, and then um, you're... I don't know, there's something in your mouth, I think. Oh, and then the video piece. Yeah, the video piece. Yeah, so uh, that's called... It's called two different things, because okay. it was actually two separate videos that were screening at the same time in different locations. So oh. it was um, being screened in Los Angeles and in Tehran. Um, you know, simultaneously. 
Is your family originally from Tehran? Actually, my family's originally from Sari, which is a city up in the north oh. of, of Iran and by the Caspian. But um, but no, it was showing in it was showing in Tehran, um, and I lived in Tehran. But um, so uh, so one piece is called um, "Love Letters to Jeremy," and that was because it was um, it was just uh, it was a performance solely for the camera operator, <laughs> or not? He was a video he's a video artist himself, amazing video artist, uh, Jeremy Rawl. And I think that people thought that it was some romantic thing going on, but it was just like my attempt at communicating. And the only person I was really communicating with was on the other side of the window. So I was like breathing steam into the window and writing, writing words. And the words, I'm really good at writing backward. So I was writing backward uh, words about wanting to communicate to the people inside, you know, about feeling like an outsider. And then, um, and then the other video was from the inside looking out. And, um, and that one I had to actually cover my head because it, was, it had to be in hijab because it, it was being screened in Iran. And um, I was using whipped cream and I was, uh, right. and that was called yellow, uh, yellow cake, let them eat yellow cake. And that was all about the, it was, it was wordplay around, um, around uh, nuclear activity and, and atomic activity. So it was all this kind of like silly wordplay that I was writing. And then I would lick it off after I would write it in, in, um, in uh, whipped cream. And, you know, I got so, so both of them made me so sick because the one where I'm like blowing steam, I just ran out of air afterwards. So you <laughs> couldn't see it, but I was like lightheaded and I'm sitting there like about to pass out. And then the other one uh, where I was on the inside. Um, so note to all, I, I, I cleaned the window with Windex and then I didn't like wipe it down with water. I just oh. went on top. And so I had eaten all this Windex. And so I got oh really sick God, off the Windex honey. that I was eating with whipped cream. <laughs> but, um, but it was just basically the video was about being an outsider and sometimes feeling caged in the combination. It's a mesmerizing piece. Thank you. Yeah, Thank know. you saw it online so it's available online it's on vimeo i know yeah, i vimeo. uploaded on yeah, video yeah. vimeo so and yeah. what's your website it's my name amitismotavalli.com that concludes another episode of visitings thank you to amitis motavalli for being on the show once again, thanks to Naomi Okayama, Cultural Affairs Supervisor, who, who facilitated our event, Visitings, a virtual studio visit and marathon conversation, which was presented as part of Beach Culture at the Annenberg Community Beach House, a program of the City of Santa Monica. Thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, and Dub Lab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Nakagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Mm-hmm.